You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're back again. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm Frankie. I'm Adam. And who are you? I don't think they can answer back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking before we started recording, I was waiting for you to call. I've, I was thinking, how would I describe you? And I think it would be as a, a simple country squire. <laughs> Not only is that rude, it's damned offensive. You're damned offensive. <laughs> <laughs> There are some cracking, we're jumping straight in here, but there are some cracking lines in this one. There really are. For those of you who don't know, this is The Adventure of Johnny Waverley, episode three of season one. We've had lots of nice feedback about the new format. I think people are really kind of digging that. We've had a message from Robert who said, I've got a suggestion for those who want to play along and solve the mystery, which is what we're aiming for. Mm. Could you possibly add the clues and time codes to the show notes? Good idea, Robert. That's it was a, good a very idea. good idea. That's a masterful idea. So uh, from now on, all the time codes will be in the show notes uh, if you want to play along and refer back to them. And we'll put the key clues in there as well, just so you can look out for them. Good idea. like that a lot. Because yeah. you want to study the evidence at different, you know, you want it visually, visually you want it orally. That is a really good shout and yeah look, thank you everybody for the lovely feedback on the new format we're glad you like mm-hmm. playing along with us and working little grey cells out yeah it's a shame um <laughs> almost well it's not a shame obviously murder in the muse is a great episode but it's almost mm. a shame that was the first one we did it on because it's rather complicated mystery maybe one day we'll go back and do it we should do a solution cast as well Ooh, <laughs> that sounds good I was thinking you need more work to do, so that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do with slightly less sleep. Mm. Um, had another message from Al Trubshaw, who says, Rewatching the episodes while following the podcast is really recreating how I felt in 1989 when I first watched these. It's suddenly Sunday evening, and I've just had that sinking feeling in my stomach that I've forgotten to do my homework. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> oh, bless him. That, yeah, that, it's, it's so nice. That's the beauty of the show, isn't it? It's everyone attaches their own personal memories and nostalgia to it it's mm-hmm. so iconic like you were talking about your, your little nerdy school days <laughs> it was me fizzing with excitement on monday mornings going into school to see who'd watched agatha christie's poirot surprisingly none of them had all the grandparents you, had them you and the dinner ladies had yeah <laughs> lots to talk about <laughs> Well, um, we also had a lovely shout out on the Grumpy Old Geek Show, which is one of the longest running podcasts in the world, I think. Wow. Um, from the very nice Jason DeFilippo, uh, who actually offered to take your place as a host. Yeah, I heard that, um, mm. Jason. And it was very nice of him to say that I'm doing a good job. So thank you. Mm. But also, I'm trying to think of a way of saying this nicely. Tough tits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not having my spot. Mais non. Thank you. <laughs> no, monsieur. Uh, so, no, I, but I get it because this is the coolest, most fun Thing ever so i get why other people want to do it but yep. from my cold dead hands jason <laughs> 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 let 
Maybe one day he can come on and talk to us instead. Well, this is the thing. Um, I think this this show would work very well with having visiting guests. In fact, we have a few lined up already, so that's cool. Wow. We're going to get a few more shows in, and then we'll have guest Suchet fans to come in and help us go through this thing. It'd be good fun. Uh, talking of podcasting contemporaries, Kev said he loves the new format. Thank you very much, Kev. He says, oh, I, I didn't you, have Kev. a chance of solving it, though. Danger Mouse is challenging enough. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the experts, Kev. Not for everyone. Uh, Wakim Melin on Twitter as well says, congratulations oh, yeah. on the podcast. I absolutely love it. Super well oh. done. Thank you. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, Jenny, the new format is a great combo of gushing and clue collection. Congratulations. The early Poirot seasons have a very special feel to them. That's so true. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Alice Bell says, oh my God, Labours of Hercule podcast is the best podcast ever. Might be right. Instant new favourite. So glad Frankie left David Suchet's attic long enough to be at the Harrogate Festival. To tell me about it. You went to the Harrogate Crime Festival last week. I did, yeah. And it was a lot of fun. And I met loads of really lovely authors like Alice Bell, who has got her debut coming out next year. And it sounds like the best book ever. She says it's a combination, it's a contemporary, cozy crime that's a combination Mm. of Knives Out and Ghosts, the TV show. Well, that just sounds like the best thing ever made. Right? Exactly. When she told me, I got very overexcited about it because I love both of those things. Her book is called Grave Expectations, which is also Grave Expectations. A brilliant name. That is very good indeed. Really strong. Should so the late the labors of Grave Expectations podcast mm, too. Maybe one day. <laughs> if it, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Apparently, the protagonist character is a medium and solves the, the a mystery through the help of the ghosts they can see. Oh so it just sounds really fun. Sounds amazing. So thank you, Alice. It was so nice to meet you, and thank you for listening and for being so nice about the podcast. And whoever your publisher is publish faster <laughs> early next year from what i from what i remember so exciting Excellent. times um well should we jump into today's episode let's do it start with a little update of what our favourite Whitehaven 4 are up to in this episode. So Miss Lemon is being peak Miss Lemon perfecting her filing system which she's incredibly proud of with all the cross-referencing and everything. And like, You can tell even Poirot is super impressed with the system. Mm-hmm. She's, she's killing it. She's having a great time. Time of her life. My system. Ah. Every one of your cases classified and cross-referenced five different ways. Five? Oh yes. In this cabinet, names of witnesses. In this, name of perpetrator, if known. Victims trade or profession. Type of case. Abduction, addiction, adultery. See also under marriage. Bigamy. See also under marriage. Bonds. See also under marriage. <laughs> and then you've got Hastings. And spoiler alert, this, is, this episode is peak lad Hastings. <laughs> he's really full lad form when he comes in and he's very excited to tell Miss Lemon that he is planning to enter the Le Mans 24-hour race. So he's got his application form and he's he's basically, it's like an episode of Top Gear for Hastings, this one. It's all about the cars. It's Fop Gear. Nice. Oh, that's very, very good. There's another Le Gondre entered by Tommy Branston. Have you done racing before? No. Well, not really. Who's in with Poirot? And Mr Waverley. It's the case. And then we've got the wonderful Inspector Jap, who does feature quite a bit, I mean, in this episode, because he's he's very understaffed, poor Inspector Jap. Mm. He's a bit stressed in this one. Well, well, well. Good morning, Chief Inspector. This is an unexpected pleasure, Mr Poirot. Mr Waverley. Monsieur Waverley has received another letter. Oh? Monsieur Waverley felt that Scotland Yard was not convinced 
about the seriousness of the case. So he came to you, eh, Mr. Poirot? Monsieur Waverley is a man of fine judgment and intelligence. Poirot is quite happy in his little world until he gets a visit from Mr. Waverley, mm. who comes to tell him that he has received a number of preemptive ransom notes, I guess you would call them. Yeah, warning letters. What, yes. That's probably the prospective mm. ransom notes. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite what it is, is it? This morning, I received this. You have not paid. Your son will be taken from you at 12 o'clock tomorrow, the 29th. It will cost you £50,000 to recover him. 50000 Damned impertinence. But do you have £50,000, Monsieur Waverley? Well, I dare say I might be able to raise it. I see. When I was doing my research, um, it's called the kidnapping of Johnny Waverley, I believe, in some other right. countries. Right, okay. Which makes a bit more sense, probably, than adventure. Yes, it does. Well, I guess, well, by the end, by the end. Let's not spoil anything. Um, I'll just quickly say, there are a few locations in this film that are very impressive. I mean, they do get out and about. First location, funnily, is Jap's office, which we never really see, do you? We get Jap's office in this, and as you you say, he's very overworked and understaffed. He's got piles of ledgers or something on his desk, and he looks very harassed. The second location is the Waverley home. This is Rotham Park in Barnet. Yes. Um, Not actually in Waverley, where they imply that it's set. There's a line later on where Hastings says he touched 80 on the hog's back, um, Mm. which is in Waverley, bordering the Surrey kind of region. So I'm assuming, possibly incorrectly, and someone I'm sure will tell me if I'm incorrect, (laughs) that um, he and his family potentially had the Waverley estate. Right. They are the Waverleys and gave their name to them. Exactly, as humble country squires. So. Right. Humble country sky. You're damned mm. offensive. You're damned offensive. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it is. Um, there's mm. one more location I just want to quickly mention before we mm. kick into the story, and that is the pub uh, yes. that features later on. Now, this pub is the most idyllic looking thing I've ever seen, and it, Poirot and Hastings visit it on a beautiful, well, it has to be morning Breakfast. because of what happens. But um, uh, if anyone fancies visiting it, it is the Bull and Butcher pub. Where's that? Turville Church. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, you know, Turville Church. <laughs> oh, I'm always um, there. Sorry, it's in Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire. So, yes. yeah, we should uh, we should totally go there for lunch one day. The Bull and yes. Butcher Pub in Turville. In or breakfast, right? Yeah. And they, <laughs> we better get off at the same. <laughs> Don't, we'll, we'll get to it in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Traditional. It's a brilliant pub lunch scene. <laughs> mm. Anyway, on with the story. Go for it. Yes. So... As we, as I mentioned before, Marcus Waverley talks about these ransom, preemptive ransom letters, warnings that he's received for, I would think, especially at the time it was set, vast sums of money. Growing every single, with every letter is jumped up by at least another 20 grand. So the first one is for 25 grand, the second for 30 and the third for 50. So that's a lot of money. I don't know what that would be in today's money. It's uh, just over three million pounds. So, wow. So yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. It doesn't that sound a like lot. a lot. 50, 50K, oh no, it's like two mortgage payments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah in, this, in this economy. Yeah. In... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm a very astute point I just made there, as you can tell. <laughs> no, I think yeah was the right word to use. <laughs> So he comes to Poirot and says that, you know, I need your help. I don't know what's happening here. It's obviously very scary. I'm concerned. Um, I've gone to the police. They don't really care. So Poirot says that he will help, although he's sure that nothing too bad is going to happen. He 
automatically has a sense that it's not going to be that bad, which I think mm. is interesting and yeah. um, something to consider. But then they, they go and see, as you say, Inspector Jap in his office with his distressed little face. And also that thing of, I think we've all been there in our jobs when you've already said no to someone and then someone senior comes and goes, no, you have to do this work now. And you're like, Ugh. Perhaps this is a serious matter. You think so, eh? I think better the safeness than the sorrow, Chief Inspector. Very true, Mr. Poirot, very true. If you've got unlimited manpower. Definitely tries to use his class as, as leverage, doesn't he? And um, Jap isn't really having it. You know, he's like, oh, I'm not going to worry about mate. <laughs> You're damned offensive. I'm a simple country squire. I pay my taxes, and I'm used to something in return. Now I know better. There are a lot of taxpayers, Mr. Waverley. There are even quite a lot of country squires. If we were still... You're not only uncooperative, sir. You're damned offensive. There's that brilliant um, exchange that um, Jap ends up having with Poirot where Hastings is like, we get a hundred of these a day. We see a hundred of these every day, Mr Waverley. If we was to go chasing about after every one... A hundred, Chief Inspector? Well, perhaps not a hundred. Mustn't be too literal, Mr Poirot. Every day? Every week, anyway. Poirot is 150% sass all the way through this episode. He just he sasses everyone. Mr. Waverly, Mrs. Waverly, Jack yeah. Hastings. He's just sass, sass, sass all the way through. <laughs> Complete sass. Yeah, absolutely. Even Miss like, Lemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really is. He's kind of like openly taking the piss a bit out of everybody. Yeah. But with a little smile on his face. So you, it's quite charming. Miss Lemon dreams of the perfect filing system, besides which all other filing systems will sink into oblivion this morning she is close to the breakthrough Poirot agrees to take the case and yes. travels to the Waverley estate he doesn't seem to think that anything will happen but no. it's more to reassure the Waverleys that at least with him around it's far less likely that anything will happen he meets Mrs Waverley and mm-hmm. him and Hastings arrive at the Waverley estate and begin to notice things that are slightly suspect straight away for a yes. start there is some scaffolding on the outside of the building that mm-hmm. uh, seems to have been left when some work was being done that was mysteriously paused by Mr Waverley, who says, oh, we're going to have it resumed at some point. It's not a problem. You were doing the building work up at Waverley, were you? We'll be again soon. <laughs> so he keeps telling me, Ted. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't reckon she cares about the house, that sort of thing. Really? No. The whole place could fall down as far as she's concerned. She's the one with the money. Oh, you'd never know it, the way she carries on. The morning after their arrival, they go to have some breakfast and all there is is kedgery. Now, I remember staying at families' houses and when you can't be bothered to feed people, you make kedgery. It's because really? you, know, you boil. Yeah, well, yeah. There's three families in a house, and all you do is you make some kedgery, scrabble some eggs, and mix it with some rice, and chuck some smoked haddock in there. Oh, look at this fantastic, lovely breakfast. And actually, it's one of those things you cook when you can't be bothered. That's remarked upon. Hastings says, Did you notice last night at dinner we only got one potato, one chop? There seems to be some kind of issue in the household. Uh, it looks as if the Waverleys perhaps aren't as rich as they appear from the outside. And now we enjoy the famous English breakfast. Well, you may. What are you having, Hastings? Well, I think it's kedgery. Certainly rice. Can't find anything else in it. But, Hastings, where is this famous English breakfast? Well, didn't you notice at dinner last night? Just one potato each, not a big one. One cutlet. Maybe. From an English dinner, one expects no more. But breakfast. 
I wonder if they're not short of money, you know. The fire wasn't lit in my room last night. And actually, going back to the bit you said about the building with the scaffolding, um, when they're walking in, Mr. Waverley does make a kind of offhand comment about how, and this proves my point, so I just want to re- really want to highlight it in case someone tries to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> His family used to own all the land and surrounding property, but not anymore. There have been Waverleys in these parts for 400 years. 400? And this land around here is all yours? <laughs> not anymore. Used to be, as far as you could see from the roof. But not anymore. Maybe things are a little bit tight in the old Waverley household. Just spool back ever so slightly for a a beautiful moment that I don't want to let go past, which is when Poirot and Mr. Waverley arrive to find Hastings has already arrived because he took (laughs) the car. And Mrs. Waverley is sat there with the most haunted expression on her face. And as Poirot said, oh, you got here first. And she makes some kind of remark along the lines of... He was kind enough to tell me about the 24-hour race he's going in for. Oh, also, we other, we missed the other gem of a line from earlier when Mr. Waverley comes to see Poirot at Whitehaven and Jap comes in and Hastings is like, oh, uh, Mr. Waverley's here because his son's been threatened to be kidnapped. And Hastings says... Monsieur Waverley has received letters threatening to kidnap his son. Really? In England? Could be some band of foreigners, you know. Some gang. These letters give no indication that the writer is a foreigner. And that comment's kind of made a couple of times. Like, this doesn't thing doesn't happen in England. <laughs> My goodness. It's so good. And also, I think at one point when they go down there, because Hastings, as you say, gets there first, and he offers to drive Poirot, and Poirot is very resistant to the idea for some reason. And mm. Hastings is like, oh, it'd be good to get the, hit the girl for a run or something. And he says, oh, she could do with a bit of a run. It is not a dog, Hastings. Poirot is full of the withering put-downs today in the sass. He just, all he does is sass everyone off all the time. He yeah. won't even let poor old Jap get away. We got a hundred of each a day. A day? <laughs> or a yeah, week? Really... A week? A hundred? <laughs> like, he's throwing just... his mate under the bus so badly. <laughs> it's really funny, though. <laughs> he really could have used some support at that moment as well. He'd just been called damned offensive. You're damned offensive. The events start happening quite fast. The breakfast mm. scene is followed by the revelation that Mrs. Waverley was taken ill during the night. After dinner, she had stomach pains and stomach cramps and is out of action for the day, on the day that Johnny is due to be kidnapped. How are you feeling now, darling? Oh, I feel heaps better. Must have been something I ate. Well, you just stay in bed and rest. Also, while they're staying there, another letter arrives. It appears in Mr. Waverley's bedroom during the night while he's off to having a bath. So he reckons only 10 minutes. For a start, who has a 10-minute bath? What a waste. I went for my bath. I wasn't more than 10 minutes. When I got back, there it was, pinned to my pillow. Just three words at 12 o'clock. The nerve of the fellow. Precisely. There's a traitor somewhere. Someone on my staff. Well, I know a trick worth two of that. What are you going to do? Sack them. Sacked a lot of them. The fact that it's appeared in his bedroom in such a short space of time leads Mr. Waverley to believe that somebody on his staff is responsible or at least involved in this whole plot. Mm. And his solution for this is that he's going to fire the lot of them. He gives them a chance to confess, doesn't he? He lines them all up in the hall and says, I want to know who put the letter on my bed. It must have been Mm -hmm. one of you staff members because I was only out of the room for 10 minutes. One of you is responsible. I expect an answer. Well, I'm waiting. He gives them all a chance. They all say, no idea. So he sacks the lot of them. 
apart from yes. his manservant. Treadwell. And Miss Collins. And Jap arrives with a bucket load of policemen, just as the yes. staff are being dismissed. So the policemen surround the house. Jap enters the house to find Mr. Waverley sacking the staff. Yes. Poirot tries to warn Mr. Waverley against um, sacking the staff because why would you empty the house when your son is due to be... Yes. I ask you to reconsider. The emptier a house is, the easier it will be for a miscreant to move about unseen. Nonsense. Mr. Poirot, you stick to your job and I shall stick to mine. Then we shan't fall out. But to empty a house a few hours before the threatened abduction seems to me to be the height of folly. How dare you, sir? You call me a fool? I'm doing what I consider best for the defense of my son. Allow me to be the judge of that. I cannot prevent you, monsieur. In particular, someone who gets very upset at being fired is Johnny Waverley's nurse, Mrs. Withers, who, again, to Poirot's point, why are you getting rid of the, the one person who should be with Johnny all the time? This is a really bad idea. But he clears house anyway, as you say, leaving this remaining two, and he's clearly in a very bad mood. Now then, where's the simple country squire? You'll find him in the hall, sacking all his stuff. Oh dear. Got out of bed the wrong side, didn't he? Perhaps. Bochons. The note says, at 12 o'clock, we will kid yes. son. So Jap surrounds the house. He makes sure that, that he's in the room with Johnny. Poirot and Hastings, having had no breakfast, say to themselves, <laughs> let's go to the village and have a breakfast and speak to the builder while we're there, and then we'll get back here for 12. The builder who says that they paused the work, but the money in the Waverley family really lies with Mrs. Waverley. Ada Waverley is the one with all the cash and she was quite difficult to work with, but it was her decision ultimately to pause things. Yes, so to celebrate this exciting revelation, they head to the pub <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> for, for, for a proper English breakfast. This is one of the nicest sounding breakfasts I've ever heard of. And scrambled eggs, was it? Oui, certainement. In the little sausages. Oh, yes, sir. Devil kidneys? Kidneys, yes. What about bacon? Crisp. Of course. And tea? Or a nice pint of home brew? Beer? For breakfast? Two pints, please. But Hastings, we've got to be back before 12. Plenty of time. Have you ever had a pint of beer with your breakfast? I mean, I know that's standard <laughs> at Weatherspoons, but I can't say I ever really go there at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Obviously, but you, it's like a prerequisite, isn't it? Part of the meal plan, <coughs> meal deal yeah. with the spoons. <laughs> Waitress that serves them is very on it and very supportive of this very indulgent breakfast. Everything Poirot says, how about this? She's like, of course, obviously, come on. And then she says, beer. And Poirot is taken aback, saying, in the morning? <laughs> and the Hastings, obviously being a lad, was like, yeah, two pints, please. Straight two pints, please. I've got to drive. They're not for, not for him, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably, that was probably still legal back then. <laughs> so. I've never had a beer with my breakfast. That's probably a good sign for your where you are at in your life, I would say, that you haven't. <laughs> I'm just wondering, do you think it was like a thing? Possibly. Think people did. Like, did they have ale with their full English first thing mm. in the morning? I just can't I, see it. Do you know how, like, back in the day, there were those marketing campaigns trying to make people think that things that weren't very healthy for them were actually quite healthy for them? Like, oh, it's it's fortified with vitamins. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> the ale is fortified and good for a working man to have in the mornings before he heads out to the to the fields all day or whatever. I don't know. Mm. They still try and sell Guinness on the fact that it's nutritional, don't they? It's basically <laughs> just alcoholic gravy, isn't it? <laughs> it's cold alcoholic gravy. 
Oh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> but yeah, no no judgment for people that do have beer at breakfast. You know, you do you. Live your life. Yeah, yeah, careful. yeah. Absolutely. But, I um, just I, I kind of want to try it. <laughs> Isn't it strange though that if you went out for lunch and had a full English, it would mm. be okay to have a beer. Yeah. If you went out in the evening and had bacon and eggs and sausages and beans on toast, yeah, you'd have beer with it. Why is you it? Could you, easily you wouldn't have it. have it in the morning. It just yeah. seems very strange. Anyway, sorry. Are you saying, are you campaigning? <laughs> are you a, are you on a pro-alcohol in the morning campaign here? <laughs> this is your new platform. <laughs> I, I, I think if we ever did a Poirot meetup or met people at Harrogate next year, we should all go out like 7am, slap up crispy bacon, all this stuff, pints of yep. ale, and then try and drive back <laughs> <laughs> not that last part but, but I know just the weather spoons we can do that in so no problem <laughs> so they're full of breakfast they're full of booze they're ready to head back on the road on their lads tour of the countryside and they're having a really you can tell actually that beer maybe did go to their heads a bit because they're having a little sing song in the car yep Poirot has a sing song two men went tomorrow went tomorrow a meadow Two men, one man and his dog went to mow a meadow. Two men, one man and his dog went to mow a meadow. Three men went to mow, went to mow a meadow. Three men, two men, one man and his dog went to mow a meadow. It's the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Hastings is teaching him two men went to mow. <laughs> went to mow a meadow. But then disaster strikes <laughs> dun, when... Dun, dun. <laughs> Shockingly, the car stops working. Do you know what I think? I think someone's tampered with this. Someone's tampered with this to keep us out of the way. How would they have known we were going to use the car? Ah. Well, it's not the car red. (laughs) (laughs) Poirot just literally launches out. Well, it's not the carburetor anyway. This is not what I long to hear, Hastings. Eh? I want to hear what it was, not what it was not. Better still, I want to hear the motor. So good. And he's perched on this like little seat. He looks like mm. an angry little old lady <laughs> watching him. And Hastings is elbow deep in the car, holding all these parts covered in oil, looking quite dreamy <laughs> in, his, in his laddish sort of way. I love that he carries overalls around with him just to put on just for when the car breaks down. <laughs> Almost uh, as if it were to be expected. Yes. Uh, so, well, time's ticking on. It's getting towards 12. So Poirot decides there's nothing else for it. I'm just going to have to stagger. What should that be? Power walk. <laughs> He's all pissed on that. You know? <laughs> He's going to have Drunk to Drunk logic. <laughs> I'll walk, it'll be fine, I'll walk it. <laughs> He's got to book it back to the mansion before 12 so he can be there when the kidnapping supposedly takes place. Unfortunately, he is not there when it takes place. Yes, and the the friction on the on the coin when he's power walking back to the house <laughs> it must have been red hot. <laughs> it was hotter than the sun by the time he burned was. a hole in him. <laughs> My goodness! <laughs> Sorry for that highly arousing mental image, everyone. But I just had to share. Never apologise. <laughs> goodness, need a cold pint for breakfast to calm down. Now we're back at the Waverley house. They're in the house. The police are dotted all around. There's loads of police. For someone who is very understaffed, Japs really pulled it out the bag and managed to find Mm -hmm. a whole load of bobbies to be there. And it's a very tense scene of Jap and Mr. Waverley and Johnny Waverley, who's a small boy, 
playing with a toy car on the floor of, I guess, I mean, I don't know the fancy uh, names for how rooms in an estate such as that, the the sitting room, the drawing mm, room, whatever, some sort of down yeah. the parlor, and there is a clock in there that they're all that well, Jap and Mr. Waverly are staring at intently, watching it tick, 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 and it's the building of the tension. Johnny's playing with his car. It cuts between them, looking at the clock, and then finally it strikes twelve. We've got it. Sneaking through the bushes. So, Jap and Mr. Waverley leg it out the house. Do you know this man, sir? Never set eyes on him. Here's a pretty parcel, if you like. Bottle of chloroform, cotton wool pad, and a letter addressed to you, Mr. Waverley. I don't know anything about this. I was given that to deliver. Oh, boy. By a gentleman. A gentleman I met on the road. You should have paid up. To ransom your son will now cost you 70000 In spite of all your precautions, he has been abducted at 12 o'clock on the 29th, as I said. And they say, well, that can't be right, because Johnny's in there. Dun, dun, dun. I should have paid up, should I? You think you could... Then they hear the clock strike 12. And they see a car zooming away from the house, and in the back window, there's Johnny banging on the glass. Johnny. 12 o'clock. The clock has been tampered with. So they thought it was 12 o'clock. It wasn't. It was 10 too. So when they ran outside, the miscreant, whoever they were, stole out and got Johnny. And now they owe £70,000. Dun, dun, dun. And it's worth saying that the poor man who is later revealed to be Joe Rogers is his name. The the man that, <laughs> the man with the strange package. Well, hey. Um, <laughs> he claims that he was paid to come to the house and deliver this package at this time with the letter um, by a man on the street that he met. It, he had nothing to do with him. He certainly wasn't planning to kidnap a child, but automatically, obviously, is arrested because it looks pretty bad on him, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Top tip, don't carry chloroform around with you ever, maybe. And ransom notes. <laughs> yeah, know, it's not a good look. It's the case, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> so there you go. Johnny's been kidnapped. The tramp says that someone paid him to bring this package at 11.50 on the nose. It had to mm-hmm. be that moment. And they're stumped. Or should I say everyone's stumped apart from Poirot. Yeah. He instantly knows everything, doesn't he? You can tell. I think even before the kidnapping even happened, he Yeah, yeah, 100%. He, he's on top of this from the word go. The only reason yeah. he was annoyed about not being there at 12 is I think he wanted to be Mr. Clever and foil it as it was happening. Yes. But he wasn't able to. And there's a beautiful moment where he's soaking his feet because they're... <laughs> They're killing him. He had to. He had to waddle extra fast for an extra he, mile. The mincing, the speed mm. of his mince. My goodness. Oh my god, speed mincing is <laughs> should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> We're starting the petition for that ASAP. <laughs> yep. Mon Dieu, the agony. Are you going to do something, or are you not? When the time comes to act, Poirot will act. I don't really know that we can go much further because pause it at the 43 minute mark in the episode because that's when Poirot basically says I'll tell you exactly what's happened and who's responsible what do you think of this episode so I was thinking about this because of our new rating system that we are applying Mm. to them rating the mystery right not the quality of the episode which is of course top notch the quality is brilliant it's a really fun episode to watch it's really good fun. fun 
Yeah. As we said, loads of zingers. Poirot is in, on fine, feisty form, and Hastings. They're out in the country. Yeah, yeah it's country. lovely to look at the pub, Hastings has everything. the most beautiful leather jacket and cap combo <laughs> you've ever seen. Like he is really ladding it up spectacularly. And the settings are beautiful, like you say. You get to see some new places. The house in, you know, Waverley is rather beautiful. So from an aesthetic story perspective, it's beautiful. However, in terms of mystery, I think probably one of the easier ones to solve. I remember watching this when it aired mm. in 89. And I knew what the solution was, yeah. like, even before the halfway mark. And I found it really kind of pedestrian. I hasten to call it a mystery even. Yeah. It's so easy to work out. So in yeah. terms of rating the mystery, it's it's a one for me. It's like I remember this yeah. one from years later being the most boring episode in those yeah. terms. I've seen, I, through doing my research for this episode, a few blogs and things have said this is one of the worst episodes in terms mm. of, I, again, in terms of mysteries. That's the beauty of why there's always richness to it anyway. And it's still worth watching because yeah. it's fun. But yeah, in terms of mystery, I think I'd be shocked if everybody who's now going back to rewatch it after listening to this doesn't get it because it's it's kind of painfully obvious. It's kind of it's it's fairly apparent, but still a lot of fun. It is fun. I'm, I mean, I'm going to run through the main clues anyway, just just Please. so you can play along. So the first clue you need to watch out for is at ten thirty-five, and they talk about how the Waverleys are running out of money. There have been Waverleys in these parts for four hundred years. Four hundred, and this. Land around here, it is all yours? <laughs> Not anymore. Used to be, as far as you could see from the roof. But, uh... Not anymore. The next clue comes at 13 minute mark, which just gives... <laughs> most <of this laughs> yep. way. 13 minutes, Poirot <laughs> talks about the oddness of this mm. uh, case and why the kidnappers are making it so difficult for themselves. That child could have been abducted at any time since its birth. Well, four years ago? Well, I didn't see the dummy boxes as much. Au contraire, it advances us enormously, but enormously. We must ask ourselves why they make things difficult by warning the weapons. The third clue is the kedgeree for breakfast at 17 minutes. That's very important. But breakfast? I wonder if they're not short of money, you know. The fire wasn't lit in my room last night. And the last clue is at 42 minutes where Poirot will sum up for you all the relevant clues. (laughs) I might as well just put him there. (laughs) Everything goes to show that there was an accomplice inside the house. The mysterious poisoning of Madame Waverley. Poisoning? My poor Hastings, so innocent. No, 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 no. It is nice. But surely you cannot imagine it was by accident that Madame Waverley was conveniently kept out of the way on the day of the kidnapping? Good God. Point number two. Someone in the house must have pinned the final note to Monsieur Waverley's pillow. Yes, I see that. Point number three. The putting on of the clock ten minutes. Huh? All inside jobs. Now, we have four people inside the house. I, I remember watching this as a child and thinking exactly the same thing when he says, I'm so sick of this case. I'm so sick of it. He, he vents his frustration. He's like, you know, I, you know what? I'm really like, annoyed with this mystery. Yeah. Hastings, I've had enough of this case. And yeah. I remember thinking exactly the same thing when it was on. I was thinking, it can't be this glaringly obvious. Yeah. And 
And then when the reveal comes, you're like, oh my God, it was as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a little bit of a downer, but that's the thing. I guess they positioned it well, though, because, yeah, like Poirot, you're like, oh, for heaven's sake, enough now. Let's just get this mm. wrapped up because we all know what's happened here. Yes. Mm. It's, um, but, it's, yeah, I can see why it was episode three. If this had been episode one, I don't know if people would have come back. People would have turned off. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, very possibly. Yeah, too simple. <laughs> They can't be, they're like, I'll just watch Top Gear. I don't need to see this show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That said, it is a really enjoyable episode. Yes. I really like it, but yeah. I just don't, I don't think the mystery is up to snuff at all. No, I agree. It, it's worth it alone for the zingers, as you say, those little moments and just the sassy Poirot, drunk, yeah. stumble, stumbling around the countryside, <laughs> singing. But as we said... Still a lot of fun, still worth checking out just for Hastings' leather jacket alone, to be honest. Mm. To yeah. be honest, every single episode in this series is really strong apart from this one. And mm. as I said, when I bought the box set of the DVDs when, when it came out like 20 years later, um, the end of 2000s, I remember thinking, oh God, I'm going to have to sit through that Johnny Waverley episode again because <laughs> I've got to watch yeah. them all. And I remember watching it and thinking, oh, it's just it's so, it's just not very cleverly done, I don't think. Yeah, it's but, not, um, it's not the, it, we're going to have more challenging episodes, I think, ahead yeah, of us. Definitely. Yeah, so, but enjoy, you know what, everywhere around then you need an easy little palate cleanser. So, mm-hmm. got everybody listening, have a little soft, easy launch into yeah, solving this exactly. mystery. Have a bit of fun, have a laugh up with, you know, down the pub with Hastings and Poirot. And, <laughs> Pints for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll get down to the serious crime solving. Uh, later on in the series so brace yourselves this is this is on the precipice of tricky mysteries this is a siesta (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly level one complete tick yeah we've had a diverse range of mysteries so far we've had clap and cook which i reckon is about a five Mm. and then we've had murder in the muse which i reckon is seven or eight yep and then this one a one definitely for me but um, what would you what would you give it yeah, similar rating, to be honest with you. I'll say one to two, because it's not just... I'm no spoilers, but it's not... There's slightly more. I mean, there are clues to watch out for, I guess. You know. Yeah, and also um, the fact that as well. Is there's, there, are, there are some parts that you may not necessarily get, so I'll, I'll give it a two, one, two kind of okay. rating to be generous, but yeah, not the not the best one. Not the best one. What's our next one though, Adam? Next one is four and twenty blackbirds, which I Ooh. which I really like because it really surprises me even to this day how many titles she got from nursery rhymes. Yes, something a little bit sinister about it. Every time mm-hmm. there's a one two buckle my shoe or yes four and twenty dickery, blackbirds. Dickery I don't know dog. what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a, something mm-hmm. I don't know if it harks back to your childhood or just yeah. give a sinister edge to things. I don't know. But um, 4 and 20 Blackbirds, yeah, we're back on form with that one. That's a, that's a Absolutely. Great and also I think with any nursery rhyme, if you imagine a child singing it in a slow, menacing way, it instantly becomes terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the middle of the night, in the darkness. <laughs> or from the backseat of a car hammering on the glass. <laughs> Shut up, Johnny Waverly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Drunkenly speeding away. Two men went to mow. Come on, Johnny, do, this, do the next one. I love that the fact that car probably passed Poirot on the way and he's probably been sick. It's a really good point, actually. He's too pissed to notice, perhaps. Oh, brilliant. Let Anyway. Well, that well, was um, the adventure of Johnny Waverly then. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking about it and watching yeah. it more than solving yeah. it. But. Yeah, definitely. 
it's nice to um, it's nice to spend time with the Whitehaven pool. Oh, it's a good one for that. Yeah, and let us know if you found it as if you're as clever as Adam and I. If you found it <laughs> easy to solve, uh, tell us about it on social channels on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email us at bonjour at thelaboursofhercule.com because we want to hear your thoughts on it. Did you like it? Were you bored? Do you have a breakfast pint? That's <laughs> <laughs> judgment free always. <laughs> <laughs> on the Thar channel. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. If you'd like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Labours Hercule. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures at Labours of Hercule. And if you were born in the 1920s yourself, then you can be all old-fashioned and email us at bonjour at thelaboursofhercule.com. That's it from us. See you next time. Au revoir, mes amis. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.